Hey there, gamers. Uh, so just wanted to let you know that we're taking a week off. So here are a couple of our Patreon mini episodes. If you like these, you can join us over at patreon.com slash night for weekly minis, bonus content, videos, access to our super cool fan discord, and more. And speaking of the Patreon, we recently surpassed 300 patrons, so you know what that means. Ryan's going to smoke wheat. So keep an eye out. It's coming out next Friday. Uh, and enjoy the episode because there's two of them. Enjoy. Slow, slow morning. Rachel went to the store and I had to uh, parent, which is always ah. a challenge. Yeah. A so Audrey and I parenting. played. I was Bowser and she was Toadette. And I had captured her and imprisoned her with my army of other Mushroom Kingdom robots who all look like Mario and Luigi, etc. And then she escapes and I chase her around for a little bit and she says, stop capturing me. And I capture her anyway and repeat. So that's the story. That seems pretty pretty true to the Mario canon. Yeah, she likes... It's a little troubling from a uh, parental perspective because she all, all she ever wants to play is princesses who get captured. Mm. And we're like, uh, maybe we don't want to do that. And uh, and she really, really wants it. She just wants to be... Pe- I, I mean, the reason why is because she wants us to do all the work so <laughs> she can just sit in a place and then have us like... Uh, you know, run around. And she's also, little kids are, they're very inventive, but they're terrible improvisers. So <laughs> every time we try to tell a story or do one of these pretend scenes, you know, uh, we'll be like, okay, and, you know, I've imprisoned you in this, uh, in this, whatever, prison. I put you in this prison <laughs> and, you know, there's a shield around it and nothing can penetrate the shield. And she's like, Except for my, you know, shield penetrating, you know, uh, laser. And we're like, okay. And then she goes to penetrate it. Like, she, I, I say the word penetrate is weird. Uh, but she goes to like sure. open it up and then she'll be like, oh, the laser didn't work. And you're like, no, just come, <laughs> come out. And then, and then the, the really fun stuff is you'll be like, and the door just mysteriously opens and she'll just go, and then it closed again. Like, no, just like take the out, move this scene forward. Just take the yes and and go. No, li- little kids are, they do not care about yes and, they care about being in control. And they will shoot themselves in the foot constantly from a dramatic perspective just to maintain control of the environment. Much like That's our tragic. president. Can, can you... <laughs> Can you imagine Audrey like uh, DMing a game of D anD D? Oh, that'd be awesome if if we could teach little kids to do it. Th- there's probably something fun there, right? Where you get an adult and a little kid, and the little kid is basically in charge of the story, and the mm-hmm. adult is in charge of like the technical stuff, like the rolling and you know checking if attacks work and stuff like that. Right, and then you know the adult rolls, and the kids like just pushes the the d20 over like once like actually that was a seven yeah sorry (laughs) pretty much oh she would love it because they're so in their heads all the time about pretending i mean Mm -hmm. at this age it's just non-stop pretending non-stop pretending 
It's very yeah. cute. I, I guess semi-relevant to um, some text messages I sent you last night. Oh, yes. Um, for one of the shows that Roka Touring is doing that I'm a part of, um, a good friend Justin was asking me for photos of myself as a child uh, to put up with like the other talent since it's all uh, younger versions of ourselves doing sports. And so my dad just sent me a fucking treasure trove. This is an They're audio. so medium. cute. Yeah, I was I was a real cute kid. Um, it looks like real uh, pageant material. <laughs> God, I'm so glad that my parents weren't like, you should be in a pageant. That would yeah. be, can you imagine? I, I just sent you another one that I didn't send before, I don't think, but it's, uh, I've always been logged on. I guess maybe I'll put these on Patreon or something, um, but they're. I love the one with the birthday cake. It's so cute. Yeah, I was, I just love to. I just look evil in a lot of them, like less represented in the ones that oh, I sent you. You did but send I just me this sort of, one before. Yeah. Yeah. Little uh, overalls. Is that what those are? Those are uh, something like that. Something. Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's like a Mary Kate and Ashley branded tank top. <laughs> Cause I was, I was at peak Mary Kate and Ashley go to the zoo or whatever the fuck all those yeah. like one off made for, straight to video movies were look at that hair too yeah i had like super curly hair for the first few years of my life yeah very exciting riveting audio i love seeing baby pictures of friends it's my favorite thing yeah right it's it's because there's some people who look like that's not you and then there are others like you look like the baby you just looks like 30 year old you and it's frightening I don't think like, that's the case with you. These, if you had shown me a lineup of pictures of like, I don't know, little blonde girls and asked me to pick you out of, I would not have picked you out of any of these. Interesting. These to yeah, me do not super look like you. Yeah, totally. Poof, um, time, the passage of time. Is that an easy bake oven? That's what that is, right? It is an easy bake oven, yeah. Um, do kids still play with those? In the year of our Lord 2020, uh, what what kind of offerings do you have for an easy bake oven? Whoa! What do we got? Well, it's I. The first thing that comes up is maybe for the love of God is this contraption that I'm dropping in the chat. Uh, so what we're looking at right now is a three-in-one toaster oven, coffee pot, and griddle for ninety bucks. Yeah, fuck this. <laughs> No, like we, no one should pay that much for a child's toy. Well, no, I don't. I I don't think it's a child's toy. It just happened to be the thing that came up first. I think this is a legitimate. Oh, like, that's real. Yeah. Oh, then that's a deal for ninety bucks. Yeah, that's kind of fucking awesome. Like living in a college dorm, you got your little microwave oven, you got a coffee pot. So what? What this thing is is it's got a a toaster oven with like a a, a griddle on top and a coffee pot also. Yeah, it's breakfast machine. Pretty rad, actually. Wow, there's a only- used 1997 version of the exact the exact Easy Bake I have in that picture going for $325 on eBay. Yeah, baby! I, fuck. God damn it. <laughs> was that a user-submitted soundboard pick, or was that you? Yeah, baby! That answers the question. Yeah, baby! So wait, so pe- you asked people to send you sound sound effects, and I saw I that we got 
uh, well, emails with the sound effects. I didn't look at them, but I'm curious. Here's the thing, people. Do not send me videos I have to rip sound effects from. It's not that I don't know how to do it. It's that I'm not going to do it. If you want me to add a sound effect to this board, send me the MP3, send me a wave if you must or whatever, some sound file. If you send me a YouTube video that, and you're like, at, you know, at this timestamp, this sound, I'm not going to rip that. It's not that these are bad ideas. I'm just not going to do it. So if you want me to include a sound effect on the board, send me a file that I can just add. Otherwise, it's too much work and I'm not going to do it. So people did send a few, uh, which I will incorporate into this mini episode. Wow, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, it's really good. It's, yeah. it's really great. I can't yeah, wait baby. to hear what the other ones are. I love that you have no warning on when these are going to happen. Yeah, it's I really, really don't. my favorite thing. It, it's... It's like getting bonked in the head, just like at a baseball game. <laughs> this morning, I woke up, and uh, you know, as discussed on the, well, I guess it wouldn't be as discussed for people listening, but uh, there are ants in my apartment, which is a thing, uh, and they were kind of swarming around on the floor yesterday. Put down some bait, maybe ate the bait. Almost got sick. She's fine now, etc. I was like, okay, cool. They seem to be, they had some of the bait. Go die, please. Go in your hole and die. And? And this morning I woke up and I looked over to my bedside table. And my bedside table is fucking swarming with ants. Oh, no. Because I, I like to have a little snack sometimes. And I have a little snack wrapper there and my bottle of water. And yep. they're just going fucking ham. So I, and you know, instead of getting up immediately and doing anything about it, I just laid there and I watched the ants waiting for the ants to take you yeah it's like calgon take me away motherfuckers like let's let's pull some indiana jones with the crystal skull shit like i'm done take me out of here everybody's favorite movie (laughs) uh the other day audrey came in the house and she said i found something with ants on it outside and it picked it up and they bited me Well, what did she find? I don't even know, but she came back and I was like, you're okay, right? And she's like, yeah, they bited me here. I was like, all right, well, you're probably fine. But that welcome to little kid. Like at this age, I'd say roughly half the time, I'm like, my child is a genius, just a straight up genius, capable of anything. And then the other half of the time, you're like, what the fuck were you thinking? Like, this is <laughs> maybe the dumbest thing a human could do, you know? Uh. Just very, very dichotomy of man. Yes, it's uh. So I'm I'm assuming you guys have fire ants over there. I I just have some regular ones. I don't know. I think it's right. Well, I mean, if they bit her, I assume I don't think regular ants bite you. Also, it's possible they didn't actually bite her, and she just thought they did. So who the fuck knows? Um. Oh, she also. What did she say? We saw a big swarm of ants. We were over at Brent's place, and I let her just kind of explore the backyard, and she found lots of treasures. And she she said, Daddy, come here. You got to see this. It's a whole century of ants. And I think she meant colony, but I'm not sure. A century of ants. A century of ants, yeah. We have lots of little malaprops. She says Pacifically a lot now, too. Pacifically, I think. Yeah. Pacifically is very good. 
I think I, I didn't know how to pronounce miscellaneous as a kid, so mm-hmm. it was a uh, malashinous for me. And I thought that I was <laughs> That's very, very cute. For, yeah. Yeah. We she's still saying Dratzi Malazzi <laughs> a lot. I don't like when think she gets, should discourage her from saying Dratzi Malazzi. No, of course not. When fabulous. she does she you know, she does it regularly without thinking when she messes something up. She'll just like drop something and be like, Oh, Dratzi Malazzi. And it's a tiny little kid. It's the cutest. I, I got to work that into my lexicon. Um, yeah. Speaking With, well, of ants. Yes, please. Uh, when I was a kid, I went to a friend's birthday party at a park. Uh, we were all running around playing hide and seek. And, uh, you know, it was North Carolina in the summer. So I was wearing some flip flops. And, uh, you know, at a park, there are many places to really hide from children who are seeking you. And so I was standing behind a tree and I was like, fuck yeah, this is my tree. Nobody can see me. You can't see me through this tree. And I was just sort of there like jiggling with excitement because we just ate a bunch of cake, kind of like digging my feet into the ground. And I was like, "Mm, that feels weird. And then I looked down and I had been standing in a fire ant hill and my feet were completely covered in fire ants because uh, oh I had made them very angry. Cue me running and screaming. And then I spent the rest of that birthday party with like swollen oh. feet and crying. And I had like scars from those bites for years because it was like genuinely just all over my feet. Oh God. Um, yeah, it was dope. Uh, so ants don't really care for you. Uh, I'm going to take care of you in my home with extreme prejudice. So <laughs> watch out. <laughs> Have you heard this thing about there's uh, in California a uh, a giant war between two species of ants that extends like from it's like San Francisco to San Diego or something like that? The ant wars. Yeah, look, uh, I'm here. Uh, I'm looking up right now. Harvester ants versus Argentine ants, and like apparently there's some super colony of Argentinian or Argentine. I don't know. You say these ants, Argentine ants. Uh, and they're fighting natives, like epic native ants. ant battle, ants yep. versus fire ants. Yep. Whoa! Like many humans, I'm reading an article from the Mercury News. Like many human skirmishes, the ant war likely. Oh God damn it! Ad blocker. Fuck. What? God. Come on. Yeah, I love when you want to read a news article and it's like people today are saying all sorts of. Hey, do you want to buy Clorox? Would you like some Clorox? And it's like, and they're saying that the ants are really upsetting. And it's like, do you want erectile dysfunction pills? Well, the thing that really pisses me off is it's like, pay $5 to support independent journalism. You ran out of free articles for this month. Well, and then when you support independent journalism, the site logs you out all the time. So when you try to click on an article, it's like, no, you don't exist here. And you're like, no, I'm, I'm paying for this. Like I'm clicking over, I and then you have to log in, and it's like a whole fucking thing. I can't even tell you. Like I, what, what do I support? Uh, New York Times, Guardian, uh, Atlantic, uh, maybe a couple others. I can't remember. Uh, but they log you out all the time, and so it's in impo- Washington Post. That's the other one. Uh, and so you, it, it's, you're like, why am I subscribing to this if I if it won't let me read the articles without a huge hassle every time? Yeah, L.A. Times is the one that pisses me off the most. I don't, I don't pay for any of them anymore. Very annoying pay for New York yes. Times, but like that one tends to be the most irritating, especially because it's like the most relevant to me. I guess yeah. where I'm just like, well, excuse me. Their pop ups are stupid. Uh, I'm going to send you a video that a friend just sent to me. Okay, I'm going to text it to you, and I want you to watch this. Okay, it's for the song "Liar" by Henry Rollins. Interesting. 
All right, we're we're getting into it. <laughs> anyway, you don't need to watch the whole thing, but sure, it was a, it was a fun like, turn. What the fuck is happening in this song? It, I don't know, but it's Henry Rollins, so it's you know all all bets are off. Yeah, he. I, I know very little about Henry Rollins. Did you ever go through like a punk? phase or anything like that oh i continue to be in a punk phase um yeah i'm 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 very much into classic punk stuff i guess i lean a little bit harder on the like uh not the rockabilly stuff but like you know shit in the zone of the cramps like i really love the Mm -hmm. cramps um but you know i'm I'm into that shit i like some doa fucking love dead kennedys the ramones are fine Um, ramones are perfectly fine yeah, hold on. Let me let me pull up my my punk playlist. I, I definitely go through phases with it. My sister was like huge into that stuff, and then into she did the rockabilly stuff too. Actually, so do you know uh, Operation Ivy? Up Ivy. Yeah. Uh, do you know Lint, who then went on to be in Rancid? No. Well, he was one of the main dudes, as I understand it. And uh, my sister used to go to these shows all the time. I guess gave him her number and he would call our house uh, <laughs> semi-regularly for a period of time when we were both teenagers and uh, was always just like, I had no idea who this dude was. I mean, I was, you know, I was like nerdy math guy. I didn't know anything about punk or whatever. And he was a, I don't even know how old the guy was, but clearly he should not have been calling someone my sister's age. He was probably 15 or something at the time. <laughs> uh and she very quickly realized that he was a skeevy weirdo and, you know, didn't do anything or whatever. But for a while, we would just get these calls. Like my sister and I had our own line, which I mainly used for modem stuff. Uh, of course, you know, CompuServe and, and the like. Uh, also <laughs> various BBSs, uh, none of which I ran, of course. But, you know, I, I don't need to tell you about uh, late 80s BBS culture. Um but periodically, we this line would ring, and this guy on the phone would just be like, "Yo, this is Lint. Is Steph there?" And <laughs> I, I made it a point to always be very polite. Hello, Lint. This is Stephanie's brother, Brian. If you hold on a moment, I'll get Stephanie for you. So that's that's my story with Lint from Rancid and Op Ivy. <laughs> that is really funny. And God. I assume there are people who would be like. Lint used to call your house. What? I don't know anything about these guys, so like, who knows? Yeah, they're. Uh, I I I need to circle back around to my my punk stuff. I, I'm definitely out of all of them. I'm I'm a big Dead Kennedy stan, mm-hmm. um, and just maintain that Jello Biafra is just one of the best names possible. Yes, I I agree. It took me a long time until I understood what Biafra meant, and then I was like, oh. Wow. Yeah, he's a very interesting character in terms of just how like the political uh Dead Kennedy's music is, and then the fact that like he fucking stiffed the rest of his band on hundreds of thousands of dollars and got sued and then was running oh, really? for like the Green Party's presidential nomination in two thousand. Yeah. Like motherfucker you just spent your entire career like railing against this shit and now you've just become the machine um 
There's a really good uh, uh, shit. What's what's the album called? It's it's a collaboration between um, Dead Kennedys and VOA. Uh, I think it's like Last Scream of the Missing Neighbors. What is it? Fuck. Yeah, it's um, Last Scream of the Missing Neighbors. I was correct. That album. It's like six songs, but it's DOA and Dead Kennedys, and it's like really fucking good. I remember. I got. I'm a huge Mojo Nixon fan. And there's some album with him and Mojo Nixon called Prairie Home Invasion. <laughs> Which uh, I'm into the, that. the lead single is uh, Will the Fetus Be Aborted? Which is sung to the tune of Will the Circle Be Unbroken? <laughs> and all I, re- I haven't heard this album in years, despite being an enormous Mojo fan. And I just remember that the mixing on it was so bad that it was like borderline unlistenable. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, now I'm just going through my like punk shit on Spotify. Uh, Prairie Home Invasion is a really good album title. It's a perfect album title. Oh, okay. So we mentioned um, Possessor on this yes. week's episode, which uh, people haven't heard yet, but they will. Yeah, you'll hear it. I totally watched it through legal means, and it's really good, and you should watch it. Uh, what What are your thoughts on uh, Daddy Cronenberg? I like Cronenberg a lot. You know, as, have, being the sensitive soul that I am, I can't handle a bunch of stuff, but you know, I, he's, he's awesome. Um, I, what have I seen? I actually haven't seen that much. Uh, of course I've seen scanners, right. Um, spider, uh, existence. Uh, existence is really good. <laughs> it's so great. I was just watching clips from that the other day. Uh, what are other Cronenberg's video drum? Of course. The fly. Um, Yes, the fly. I've seen that. Did not watch. Did he do the fly sequel also? I don't know. Let's see. No, I want to know. Uh, what else? He but yes, look, look. I like Cronenberg. I love where he's coming from. I can't handle a lot of what he does. Yeah, I did not fair. see Eastern Promises. I did not see History of Violence. Uh, History of Violence sucks. People are so mixed. I think we've talked about that. I, I know yeah. people that love that movie and people that think it's just the worst. Because I watched it really recently and it's just like, man, come on. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen... Oh, I forgot that he did Naked Lunch. I haven't seen Naked Lunch. Oh, yet. yes, I've seen that several times. Um, uh, not in a long watch, time, but... Got to watch <laughs> Dead Ringers. I mean, famously, you know the, the Simpsons joke about Naked Lunch? No. So Nelson... Or actually, Nelson... I forget which character it is. Walks out of a movie theater... With you know the the marquee says naked lunch, <laughs> and he goes, "Wow, I can think of two things wrong with that title." <laughs> it's a great joke. Oh my god! Uh, um, yeah, naked lunch. Lots of very pronounced bug anuses. I'm out of that. Yeah, who isn't? Exactly. Yeah, I the brood is really funny to me because it's the most like. You know, because it, it, it's Cronenberg made it right after his divorce, uh, and the whole movie. It, like, in terms of movies that have been made by a director post divorce, uh, you know, the breakup movie, like uh, Ari Aster made Midsommar in response to mm-hmm. a breakup that he had. Uh, and on Andre Zulowski, I know I'm saying his name wrong, uh, but his movie Possession was a divorce movie. But mm-hmm. of all of them, I think The Brood is the most like nasty thing for somebody to make about their ex. <laughs> I've never seen it. What's it's, what's the deal? Oh, it's like there's a lady who's 
get popping out a bunch of evil demon children. Um, <clears throat> it, th- that that's about all all it is. It's a very oh, it's an interesting time, I guess. It, it's not my favorite of his, which I think I don't know. It's kind of hard to not really fucking love the fly because I like video. Yeah, Jerome. it's I great. I can't. I can't. St- Stan James Woods, which kind of dampens it for me, but also Debbie Harry is in it, and I love Debbie Harry. James Woods, I like him a lot as an actor. Uh, generally speaking, as a human being, he is beyond despicable and is a complete monster. Yeah, hot trash. At a certain point, it does become like much harder to divest the two. Also, just the fact that he has a really punchable face. That's de- oh yeah, that's definitely true. Um. Oh, I wanted to see Cosmopolis. I haven't seen that yet. Actually, I've been meaning to see. Yeah, Cosmopolis. neither have I. Who's in that? It's oh yeah, Robert that's Pattinson. Robert Pattinson one. Yeah, it basically. I think the whole play, thing takes place in like a limo driving uh, across New York or something like that. Mm. Yes, I'd like to see that. Um, wow, seems to be very mixed reviews on that one. Yeah, but I'll 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 watch it. Sure, why not? Oh, look yeah. at this. And he has, I'm looking at his Wikipedia right now. He does show up a bunch as an actor in various things. He's in Nightbreed. He's in, oh, yeah, To Die For. That's a good one. They actually, they were, what am I talking about? They were just talking about this on Double Threat, one of my favorite podcasts right now. Oh, um, is that the Nicole Kidman one? To Die For is, yes. That's the Gus Van Sant, Nicole Kidman movie. Yeah, I actually watched that relatively recently. It's a, I haven't seen it in forever, but I remember it being a very, a very early, maybe not early, but a early modern media satire that was yeah. pretty solid. It's it's one that like watching it after seeing all the things that kind of were inspired by it, uh, most notably like Nightcrawler. It's yes. it, I, I was like pretty underwhelmed by it, but it's definitely I, I fully admit I thirst watched it for Joaquin Phoenix and Nicole Kidman and uh, oh that's uh, right Matt he was Dillon. like super young in that he's like yeah a kid. very very baby yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's like score by Danny Elfman. Yeah. (laughs) Just one of those things where, you know, within five seconds, like, yep, that's it. Oh, and it's a, that's right. To die for was written by Buck Henry. Of course. Who's Buck Henry? Buck Henry wrote, I mean, a classic comedy writer, but, uh, wrote the graduate most famously. Oh, Uh, so one of these like all timer, uh, writer guys. Mm. Uh, died earlier this year, I think. Yeah, in January. Yeah. Uh, also remember ho- January? Hosted, yeah, right. Uh, Buck Henry, also in early SNL days, hosted a bunch of like first season or second season SNL stuff. I think. Um, he's he's got he's he's sort of Bob Newhardy as I remember. Mm. Um, but yeah, classic classic writer guy. I I watched like thirty seconds of the SNL episode this yeah, past I did the week same thing. it's just like this is fucking awful i look i want to support it it's got people i love on it kate mckinnon bowen yang uh who else do i think is amazing on snl right now uh ego wodum is cecily um, strong still on cecily strong she's incredible uh, i miss uh nazim pedrad uh yes keenan is like maybe has made some questionable comments i i think but is a solid actor. Uh, and, and I think one of their secret weapon type actors, Bobby Moynihan is amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's got, so, so I love a lot of the people on it. That said, a lot of times you watch it and you're like, Oh, really? 
and the debate there's nothing worse than the the cold open political stuff it's always it always 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 sucks yeah especially right now um fuck and then like trending was like see kate mckinnon's touching tribute to ruth Bader ginsburg and i was like this is the dumbest oh did you see the the fucking thing where the i forget the name of the guy who was on their musical guest i have now reached the age where i've heard of none of the musical guests which i am just fine with but apparently the dude who was their musical guest after snl goes through all these like precautions about testing and everything this dude had been out all week like partying Ah, wonderful. Yeah, there's like video of him like earlier that week, like, you know, doing shots at some house party or something. Of course there is. Yeah, I when I was in high school and was, you know, deep in Tumblr, I was partially like an SNL blog. <laughs> I was really deep into it. Um, so let's see, like, your high school cast would have been, so this would have been what? Year, this is like this would have been like 2013, 2014, 2015. But I was okay. definitely like watching the slightly older stuff, so I was like into the Fred Armisen, Bill Hader, Kristen, okay, Wade, yes, Amy That's Poehler a era. Great, great era, yes, yeah, yeah, really delightful. But also, like, why, why, I don't know why I was thinking about um, this bit this week, but it was just thinking about deep thoughts with Jack Handy, always the um, best, yes, yeah, seriously. What is your favorite deep thought? You must have one. Yes, I do. And I don't want to misquote it. Um, so I'm going to look it up really quick. I, I can quote mine verbatim, and I'm pretty sure I can get this, yeah, which is, as I bit into the nectarine, it had a crisp juiciness about it, which I found very pleasurable, until I realized it wasn't a nectarine at all, but a human head. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, my favorite is, if you saw two guys named Hambone and Flippy, which one would you think liked dolphins the most? I'd say Flippy, wouldn't you? You'd be wrong, though. It's Hambone. <laughs> <laughs> They're oh, what the are, fucking best. Uh, yeah, there's so many, so many good ones. I'm trying to remember some of my other favorite ones. Uh, there's the classic one about if you fall, just go limp because someone might catch you because, hey, free dummy. <laughs> I, I'm getting it slightly wrong, but that's the uh, that's the idea. Yeah, I'm looking at a list of them now. I bet one legend that keeps recurring throughout history in every culture Wait, is the is story Popeye? of Popeye. Yes, yep, <laughs> I remember that. That's a really good one. It's so influential. And every, apparently Seriously, everyone thinks yeah. it's a fake name, but that's his real name. He writes pieces for like Shouts and Murmurs in the New Yorker occasionally. He's still active for sure. Oh, yeah. It's uh, sad that a family can be torn apart by something as simple as a pack of wild dogs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a good one. Here's my other really all-time favorite one. <laughs> if trees could scream, would we be so cavalier about cutting them down? We might, if they screamed all the time for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember my dad showing me so many of those when I was younger and like very, very formative on my sense of humor. Because they're like these... Two or three sentence jokes, and they're they're so perfect. Yeah, I, I love it, re- it. It really just teaches you about joke economy. Um, yep. Same with just like very early exposure to Mitch Hedberg. Uh, yep. Rest in peace, well, man. Well, also on SNL, they had him read by Phil Hartman, which was like the perfect combination. Jack Handy yeah. with Phil Hartman's voice. Ugh. I mean, you're not going to uh, do better watching, than Phil Hartman. What's the terrible Christmas movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Jingle all the way. 
jingle all the way. Yeah. But really Sinbad, del- right? It's very, very bad. But God, what a treat to see Phil Hartman just in everything. Alive. Just the absolute best in everything he did. So I married an axe murderer, classic, news radio, amazing. Uh, the original Pee Wee Herman show uh, where he plays Captain Carl. And I think, he, you know, he co-wrote uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure because they were all I Groundlings. I did not know guys. that. Yeah, they were all Groundlings guys. Uh, and was in the first version, or at least the first like televised version, which was shown on HBO all the time, of the Pee Wee Herman show, which is basically the adult version of Pee Wee's Playhouse. Look look this up if, if you can find this. It's like an hour long. It's basically a, a sketch show which takes place, uh, you know, in kind of Pee Wee land. And it's really, really great and has Phil Hartman in it. Oh, and of okay, course, yeah. It's, it's, any excuse to watch Paul Rubens, you should take because Seems like it's all uh, on YouTube, I think. It's worth watching. It's very funny. We've, and they I use... Think, sorry, go ahead. I, I'm mildly changing the subject, so... That's fine. Do it. Um, I think we've talked about this before because I showed you the clown near-death experience sketch, but did, did yes. you ever watch uh, Important Things with Dimitri Martin? A little bit. A little bit here and there. Not too much. I really enjoyed that show. I I, I was definitely like also really big into Dimitri Martin as a kid. Um, and I'm surprised because I, I was so into John Mulaney, mm. and it's really interesting to watch him have this like renaissance now. Um, and I'm curious if that's going to happen with like any of the other like that era of comedians. Yeah. I mean, although I would say Mulaney is a little bit later than Dimitri Martin, I would guess. Yeah. Or at least as a stand-up, but I don't know. Uh, yeah. What well, I'm sure the top part. <laughs> these guys will all come in and out. I bet Mulaney, Mulaney's yeah. kicking ass right now. Yeah, totally. I also think there's a level of like, he is an attractive man uh, that adds to the f- fandom. It, it, there's also, a weird phenomenon where like people point to him as a gay icon. <laughs> I guess I can see that sort of. Yeah. But it, it, it's yet again, the weird thing where people will look at a straight person and we're so desperate for crumbs that they're like, ah, yes, a, a yeah, mouthpiece right. of the gay community. Because he's well-dressed basically. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to, where's the yeah, his delivery is, is some of my favorite things. Some some of my favorite things. I don't know what I'm. Mean. His delivery his delivery is great. Is what I'm trying to say. Wow, the top part was 2009. Jesus, mm. and that's Dimitri Martin, or that's Mulaney? no, that's that's Mulaney. Um, I believe that's the one that has the uh, I'm sorry uh, <laughs> <laughs> prostate exam. <laughs> so funny. Uh, uh, I think that's a good place to stop. We've covered sure, yeah everything under the sun as usual. Hope y'all like. Comedy discussion, us reading Jack Handy bits. Cronenberg. Cronenberg. Just really hitting all the bases. And uh, we'll see you on Friday with a full episode that I found very delightful. And I think one of the things that I enjoy about the show is that you never really know what kind of full episode you're going to get. Sometimes it's pure bullshit, and sometimes it's a two hour long conversation about the intricacies of internet fandom. <laughs> yeah, baby. Ah, fuck this. Uh, that's the end of the mini-sode. See you later. Goodbye. Bye. Last night, Vernon, you know, we, we spent 
lot of time spending memes and uh, spend, mm -hmm. sending memes and videos back and forth, as you do. And then he sent me um, just a video that unlocked a deep memory for me. When in the like early 2000s, late 90s, when uh, everyone on The Daily Show was a baby, did you ever watch the like Even Steven segments? I don't remember those, no. With, with Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert? Oh, you know what? Yes, sorry. I, I do remember those now. Yes. I, I, I didn't watch a ton, but I definitely saw them. They're really fucking good. Um, but yeah, I, when I was in middle school, I was obsessed with The the Daily Show and The Colbert Report, um, which is probably not surprising. But I just went down like a little hole of watching all the Even Steven stuff that's on YouTube. It was a real delight. Are you old enough to remember the Craig Kilborn era of The Daily no. Show? No. There were... I remember when that started. I think I was, fuck, when, when, that would have been like late 90s probably. Yeah. Uh, and then it got, I mean, that, it was actually very funny. He's, yeah, I like him a lot in many ways. Uh, but then it just like really started kicking ass with Jon Stewart. Yeah, totally. It's funny watching all that stuff. I'm just like, wow, everybody is so tiny. And Jon Stewart has always sounded this tired. Yeah, and he he's gotten so bitter. It feels like, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you were in his position, how could you not? You know, especially with all the work that he does with like the uh, survivors of nine eleven, like advocacy. Like, it, it just seems yeah. like it must be the most frustrating thing in the world to be this deep in everything for so long and like not really seeing change. Yeah, I, did you ever see? I was watching this recently. His it was when he was on uh, the. It was like Crossfire with Tucker Carlson and whoever the fuck the other guy is. Oh, where he's like roasting down? Yeah, where he's like, you guys are bad for the world or bad for democracy or something. I haven't watched it, but I know exactly what you're talking about and I'll watch it after uh, this. It's worth seeing again because he's so right. Yeah, he, he's just a very smart man. Um who I appreciate and who is funny. But yeah, it was it was fun taking a little trip down memory lane of uh, some very, very old Daily so daily Show shit. Uh, did you ever watch the Strangers with Candy show? You know, that's been on my list. I love everyone in it, especially mm -hmm. Amy Sedaris. Of course, and then she's amazing in it. And I have never seen more than an episode. And I've been meaning to go watch the full thing because I know Colbert's in it. So good. Uh, yeah. yeah. Everyone says it's amazing. Yeah, I... Uh, I believe we had it on DVD and I watched like two seasons of it. I don't r remember much other than that I enjoyed it. And then I think the, my mom stole the DVD from us and we never saw it again. Um, so Amy Sedaris might be the funniest person in the world. She, every, everything she does, I think is the greatest. What's your favorite uh, Amy Sedaris piece of content? It It is in, I believe it's season one of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, where... Mm. She played, what's her name? Mimi Canassis, Canastas. Uh, she does this thing where she enters an apartment and she's, and someone's like, take off your shoes. And she does this thing where she kicks off her shoes while walking. That is one of the most genius, like physical comedy bits <laughs> I, I've ever seen. It is so funny. Yeah. Even when she just briefly pops up in something, like there's that episode of Broad City that she's in, like yes. super, super briefly and so good. Uh, what's your take on Broad City? I was a huge Broad City stan um, in college. Like that was my go-to show. I didn't watch the last season, but um, 
I don't know, I just kind of fell off of it and didn't really care to watch the rest. It, it kind of suffered from the thing that happens when, like, a beloved show goes on for a while where it's, like, uh, becomes too, like, self-referential and, like, mm-hmm. flanderized and sort of leaning on the, like, gimmicky, like, here's, we're going to try a fun thing, which I understand. I feel like if I was in that position, I would do the same, but it just kind of, like, lost the sparkle for me. And then, of course, there's the whole, like... I don't know, weird white feminism angle of it that's a little weird, but I don't know. It's you a, mean it's really... the privilege that the characters have, that kind of thing, or what? Yeah, and like the Hillary and Biden worship is pretty... Oh, I don't remember that part, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's there's some weird politics to it, but I mean, it's great. It's 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 a special show, um, and it's super funny. I mean, it holds up. Super funny. yeah. Shit killed me. It was always one where I would show people like one or two episodes and be like, listen, the show's really good. You're going to enjoy it. And then get the like, I just watched all of it. Thank you. Yeah. I, I knew a bunch of the people on it from New York comedy stuff. Yeah. Uh, not like super well, but had done shows with a few people here and there. Not Abby or Ilana, right. but uh, a couple of the other, you know, bit players were in stuff that I did. So it was the kind of thing where. I didn't watch it when I was on. I only watched it afterwards, but I'd be like, oh my God, that's Chris. Whoa, yay. Um, man, that's, yeah, he's great. Um, yeah. That was my first exposure to uh, uh, Darcy Carden. Yeah, she she's the best. I love her. Yeah, just amazing and everything. It's been nice to see her crop up in more stuff. Good place, Barry. Oh yeah, she, she's been crushing it recently. Uh, she helped me with a parking meter. Wow. <laughs> Yep, I was going to see uh, Las Culturistas live, I don't think so, honey, at the Echoplex, and she was one of the performers, and uh, I couldn't get the meter to work in the lot, and she was standing behind me, and I was like, do you have any idea how this thing works? And she was very kind and basically just said, you're doing what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had like a similar exchange with Jenny Slate in a CVS in Savannah, Georgia, where she was oh. just like, I don't know how to work this. How do I work this? <laughs> And then you get the she, infinite miles long receipt. She's amazing. I was just what, what was I watching with her in it? Oh, the uh, the I think it was a Lonely Island. It was an SNL digital short bit, the Sergio one with John Hamm. Have you ever seen this? Yes, I probably have because I've watched all of the John Hamm SNL stuff. Let's see. It's the one where Andy Samberg gets cursed by yes, Fred yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah. And she, Jenny Slate, is uh, Andy Samberg's girlfriend. Or whatever. Uh, and I hadn't seen her in a while. Yeah, it's um, every once in a while I go back and I I get into the YouTube hole of watching like all the old digital shorts and um, Lonely mm-hmm. Island videos, and then my YouTube recommendeds are just like, "Do you want to see this all the time?" And it displaces the terrible like film bro essays that it's constantly like, "Oh, you like movies? <laughs> Do you want to see like how Midsommar broke me? Like, shut yeah. the fuck up." <laughs> So anyway, I'm happier when it's just like, here's Infinite Lonely Island for you. You should go watch. Rachel just showed this to me. I'd never seen this before. It's a it's an SNL sketch from 1990 with uh, it's uh, Phil Hartman, uh, Nora Dunn, I think Jan Hooks, Alec Baldwin, who was obviously the host that week, and Kevin Nealon. It's called Brenda the Waitress, and it is. It is just a little character piece that's really funny and weird, and it is one of the best SNL sketches I have ever seen. Not because it's like uproarious, but because it's just so fun and well done. Okay, cool. I'm gonna put that on my my watch later. 
And uh, uh, Jan Hooks plays, uh, you know, uh, her basically the guide from the Alamo in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Vaguely, this is what we call Adobe. Can you say Adobe? Does that ring any bells? No, I haven't watched that movie since I was a small child and traumatized by Large Marge. Yes. Uh, She plays exactly that character, which means nothing to you, but it's exactly that vibe. Um, Is your name, so you you signed on to our session today with the name Rat King. Uh, Is that a 30 Rock homage? No, it it wasn't consciously, but it is very inextricably connected to 30 Rock for me. Yeah, I which I have just started rewatching for the first time since it was on the air. Oh, let's get into it. That's it's one of my like most rewatched shows that I revisit like every couple of years just for a little little pick me up. Uh, It's interesting because it really does like it does that thing that annoys me about other shows where it like gets more self referential and like they do more of the gimmicky episodes, but it's still like it was great. All the way through. So I'm now six episodes into the first season. And just right out of the gate, it's fantastic. It does yeah, not it, It's really suffer. defined. It's like they, they haven't, you know, they haven't felt out the characters yet, but it's still fucking great. Still fucking great. Everyone's funny. Um, makes me feel bad for Rachel Dratch that <laughs> she's not uh, Jane Grukowski. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well. But they do, but, but especially in that first season. Is so good. She is so good. But I know that was originally Rachel Dratch and then was yeah. recast. And also in that first season, they put Rachel Dratch in like a bit part in every episode, pretty much. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Like they have her in as like the cat handler or whatever. Yep. And the, the blue. The blue, person. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the gas the, leak that shit. Yes. Oh, man. What's your favorite? I mean, I guess if you're just doing the rewatch now, but like, what's your favorite episode of 30 Rock? I don't remember them well enough. Uh, I, it's funny. I remember specific lines from various episodes and, and you know, specific things, but I don't remember the uh, the episodes well enough. There was mm-hmm. the, what's the one? It's like a, maybe a mid to later season. They make up a holiday. Uh, oh, oh, uh, Leap Day Williams. That's it. Leap Day William. Yes. <laughs> yeah. God. I, I rewatched that one on Leap Day this year. Oh, that's, yeah. I remember liking that one a lot. Uh, Well, yeah, because it's Jim Carrey doing, uh, fucking, what's the movie that he's doing? Jim, they they keep cutting to like a TV movie. Dr. Doolittle or something? Yeah, basically doing that, but where Jim Carrey turns into Leap Day William. Um, I remember my favorite parts being Elaine Stritch, uh, who is always incredible. Uh, uh, and just amazing to see her doing stuff because I love her and yeah, you know, well, RIP also. Yeah, but as Jack's mom, she was the best. Um, yeah, I I just like everything on that show is so well defined. Like it, it's one of those shows where like every character, like there's no character that isn't great. Right. Well, it, it does. They have so many great people on too. It, it does do the thing which so many TV shows do, although I feel like less now where there are constant jokes about how, like, you know, unappealing Liz Lemon is. And you're like, Tina Fey is incredibly hot. And none of this tracks. Like, you you know, I get the feeling she, you get get that she's, okay, very busy at work. 
you know, very career oriented, doesn't have a very successful love life, fine. But all these like sad sack jokes do not really track when you've got someone who looks like Tina Fey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I feel like at a certain point that's part of the joke. And I mean, there's the whole other side of this that we're not touching, which is how deeply problematic and of a certain era uh, 30 Rock is. But Yes, although not so, I mean, bits of that have cropped up so far, but not like a ton. At least in the it's stuff pretty I've seen it's yet. pretty steady throughout the show, but you know, uh, engaging with a piece of media means acknowledging the things about it that are bad, and then continuing to engage with it if you enjoy it, and take things away from it because shutting ourselves off from things that have questionable content is not really helpful for our own media literacy. No. Uh, <sighs> yes, absolutely, and you know, I'm I can forgive pretty much anything done in the era, you know, for for being in that era. It's it's not productive to cut yourself off from from the content and just kind of do this like blanket ban. Like obviously you can be like That's this right. thing is bad and I have awareness that this thing is bad and me enjoying this thing does not mean I am endorsing this thing. Yes, 100%. And um, and and some things will be so bad. For example, let's take an extreme example, Birth of a Nation. Maybe yeah. the most racist thing ever. Um I'm not going to be watching that. Like I've yeah. never seen it. And I've seen enough to know that it's incredibly racist and I would be very upset watching it. So Yeah, I mean, it's weighing the value versus harm. Yeah, and I'm not, you know, I don't need to watch that for any reason. I'm not studying yeah. it or something. So yeah, totally. I'm going to pass on really horrible shit like that. Yeah. Um, but if it's like, you know, maybe I wouldn't joke about, you know, that person being gay or whatever. Okay, I guess I can get past that for one little bit of an episode. Yeah, it, it's especially that you watch any sort of like 90s sitcom. Oh. It's like, oh, dear God. Yeah, the gay panic stuff is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, especially, it feels like it was worse in the 90s and the 80s because in the 80s they couldn't even talk about it. Right, And then yeah. in the 90s it was like okay to talk about, but there were all these like, you think I'm gay? Oh, my God. Ah. You know, kind of things, which were just awful. Yeah. Whew. Uh, changing the subject. Uh, how much do you know about Mozart being really into butt stuff? Uh, I was reading something about this recently. Uh, <laughs> not. I, I know the music side of Mozart better than the personal side. So. Yeah. I guess butt stuff isn't even accurate. More specifically, like their whole, like, People do studies on like how into scat stuff yes. he was. He was very into scatological humor. Yeah, I mean that's literally the, the Wikipedia page Mozart and scatological. <laughs> so I, I saw something about this. Where was it? it? Maybe we were looking at the same place. I, I saw something. Someone linked to uh, this this exact Wikipedia page recently. Oh yeah, I think I found it on Reddit. That's probably where it. Yeah, why it was <laughs> back out there. But Mo, yeah, Mozart was. I must have read, did I read a biography of him? I mean, I took a musicology class that featured him prominently, so I knew something about him, but not much of it has stuck. (laughs) Yeah, But there are all all kinds of fucked up composers. Yeah, Uh, they're all really fucked up. Schumann is the one that you really got to be like, oh, buddy, you, oh my. Um, What's his deal? Oh, all sorts of stuff. Uh, he had he he definitely had some kind of persistent mental illness. Um, he had two like 
uh, I don't want to call them personalities, but he basically had two kind of personifications of good and evil that I think they were called Floristan and Eusebius. I'm going to get that slightly wrong. That like he would write to be, be like, oh, Floristan's in control today or whatever. Uh, he had all kinds of weird, you know, personal romantic life stuff. The the thing that I really remember is he had some kind of, he was like a, a very talented pianist who completely, fu- he built like a finger strengthening machine that completely <laughs> fucked up his fingers, like a little contraption that what? he used. Yeah, and he lost, I believe it was, he lost use of his fourth and fifth fingers on one of his hands because of his constant use of this finger strengthening machine. Um. Yeah, like all, he's a really interesting dude who clearly had major, major personal problems. Yeah, uh, I'm skimming this Wikipedia page and woo, greatest hits. What's, there was something with, so his wife, Clara, was also a very talented composer. And then there was something weird, I think, with her and Wagner, maybe? Uh, yeah, I guess me skimming through Wikipedia is not necessarily interesting. Yeah. But, the other uh, thing about Schumann is that he is known for being a very talented composer and a completely bullshit orchestrator. And so his symphonies, Wait, okay, so what's what's the difference between Oh, so compo- composing is writing the music and orchestrating is how you arrange the parts for instruments. So, okay. you know, if you basically compose kind of a melody... And, uh, you know, if you just write the, write the melody and tonal structure, chordal structure, most people would call that writing a piece of music. But to then say, okay, this is how I want an orchestra to play it. The flutes are going to do this. The timpani is going to do this, that kind of stuff. That's orchestration. Generally, another name for it is arranging. So it's how oh, okay, you break gotcha. up the thing you write into parts. Um, and some people just write that way. You know, they'll just write directly for orchestra like they just read on the staff paper uh but some people write out you know the basic ideas like on piano or whatever first and then orchestrate from there mm-hmm. so schumann symphonies are amazing but a lot of the versions that people listen to now are reorchestrated because he was not very good at it and when you say not being good at it like can you point to things that like would mean or, or, or would indicate that it's like not well done. Oh, it's just kind of uh, so it sounds clumsy is the biggest thing. Like or- orchestrating for a symphony orchestra is it's a really hard fucking thing to do, and because you have so many instruments that you know you don't want to be too heavy handed about stuff, but you need to make sure the themes come through. I, I can't give you like a hard and fast rule. Sure, uh, yeah. Because that doesn't exist, but it's like, it just doesn't sound like the parts are arranged in a very deft fashion. There, you know, there are lots of people out there who are uh, amazing arrangers, but maybe not the best composers, and probably even more who are great composers who don't have a great ear for arranging. Sure. Okay. I didn't know that those were two very specific things. And I also, as you were saying that, looked up the the finger thing <clears throat> that Schumann was shoving his fingers in and horrifying yes right that's scary oh dear god so so for example uh one example with danny elfman is that danny elfman writes a lot of his i mean writes his scores but then i believe his main orchestrator is steve bartek also from boingo Mm, so okay 
the guy who's actually and it's it's interesting because it's something that people don't talk much about but to me half of the literally half the appeal of an elfman score especially early is how well orchestrated it is like it just the the way it's broken up into the instruments sounds really great and yeah. wouldn't yeah even quite, me being layman like it, it it's the choices are all really, really interesting. And there's always like unexpected. I mean, that feels like a, a Hallmark Elfman thing, like just a lot of really unexpected choices thrown in there. Yeah. And and I think, and I could be wrong about that. I think most of that is the orchestrator, not Danny Elfman. Now, now maybe I'm sure he has approval and he's probably suggesting things too. So I don't think it's like he's totally out of that process, but he may be deeply involved. I really don't know. But it is ludicrous to not give, especially Steve Bartek, like significant credit in how awesome those, especially those early pieces sound. Oh, okay. So we should talk about the piece of David Lynch news. Oh, yes. Wisteria. Uh, Wisteria, which, has it been confirmed, confirmed? Uh, the way the thing I read said it was more of a rumor. I don't know. I want to believe. I mean, it's likely we won't see anything out of it for a very long time. Um, right. So, so, so just to tell, do you want to tell everybody what what it is or what the oh, rumor is? David Lynch is working on a like long form Netflix show uh, called Wisteria, or that's the yep. working title. Supposedly. And supposedly, big budget. Yeah, which uh, is a little after Inland Empire. I get concerned. <laughs> About Fair. about how much con- creative control you can give Lynch before it becomes completely inaccessible. Yes, but hopefully with that, I mean, as we've discussed, a I still haven't seen Inland Empire. B because of how that thing was made. Hopefully, this you know this is not yeah. like that. So the production also the, the, is going to be re- very different. The return fucking slaps. Yeah, completely. So I trust him. Doesn't mean it's going to be flawless, but what is? Uh, is very exciting. It probably won't won't see it for a while, but yeah. But that's a fun thing to look forward to. And I got a Discord message from Jory today where he was just dropping me like <clears throat> I forget what he said, but he was like, "This is the death of pop culture." And it was just an article that was like, "Could David Lynch's new TV series be a spinoff of Twin Peaks?" Oh God! Shut. Fuck shut you. Up. Fuck off. Yeah. I, I was going to do a hard subject change, but I want to save that one for next week's episode, I guess. Mm. But um, I rewatched uh, Safety Brothers' Good Time the other night. Have you seen Good Time? Still haven't seen it. Oh, it's really good. The I first time to. I saw it, I was on a date with a guy who worked at a vape shop. Um, and I feel like I was not really present for the experience and I didn't like it very much. And rewatching it the other night. You mean I because of how. Like, you you were very excited about how cool it was that he worked at a vape shop. That's why you couldn't concentrate. I was just like so distractingly horned by him not shutting up about um, Oniotrix Point Never. Uh, <laughs> just deeply attractive <laughs> quality. But yeah, good time, fucking rules. I, I watched it because I'm working on a thing that has a very similar like anxiety cinema. Like you're just going to be really stressed out and there's a lot happening all the time. Um, mm-hmm. But like if you liked Uncut Gems, you would like that. But I had watched, and this is what I'll talk about on the main episode probably is my what's popping, but I watched Scorsese's uh, After Hours, which I had never seen. Oh, the best. I that love movie After fucking Hours. rules. You'd never seen that no, before? Yeah, I had never seen it before. Oh. And I went in, because I had always seen the poster and I was like, that poster's stupid. And then it, it truly is just a delight. It, it is... 
I mean, kind of his only real comedy, although even calling yeah. it a comedy is a little bit of a stretch. But, I mean, it, I have not like laughed that hard at a thing in a long time, and it's not even because of jokes. It's just sort of like a really good. Here's a bunch of wacky characters. Yep, and I so I was. It's funny. It, it, this is amazing. An amazing coincidence. I was just watching a Griffin Dune thing the other day. I feel like Griffin Dune, Dunn, Dune. I don't know. Dunn. Let's say Griffin. Who knows? I want to say Dune. Uh, Griffin Dune is one of. One of my favorite comic actors, even though he hasn't done that much, I just mm-hmm. think everything he's in, he is so funny. He there's just something about it, his vibe yeah. that really, really gets me. He uh, so I was watching this thing. Have you ever seen Amazon Women on the Moon or Kentucky Fried Movie? <laughs> no. Okay, so they're two like sketch movies from the '80s, maybe early '90s. There's there's going to be a bunch of stuff in there that is very very uncool, um, but there are some that uh, some sketches that still work. And specifically, there's one with Michelle Pfeiffer and Griffin Dunn as uh, he's like a doctor and she just had a baby. Where his performance in it is, it has stuck with me for I don't know thirty years or something. <laughs> uh, look up Michelle Pfeiffer, Amazon Women on the Moon. He he is so funny in that sketch, and it's like three minutes. It's real short. Um, it, it's fantastic, and also the the guy in it here. I went Google this right now because the the hair and glasses of the the baby's father in it are so of a time that I think you'll really appreciate it. Oh yes, I see this. I see this. That's let's bring it back. Let's bring right. it back. It's a good look. Rachel told me he cool. was on Thirty Something, which was a an acclaimed. Hour-long drama in the, I think, late 80s, early 90s. Gotcha. Wow, it's weird to see young Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. She, she's great. Um, yeah, I After Hours was such a pleasant surprise because I'm not like a big Scorsese head. I really like his stuff, but I'm just like not really seek yeah. it out. But this like really hit the spot for me, like the right amount of surreal and comedy and I don't know, just like yep. the very relatable anxiety of like, I just want to go home. <laughs> um, yes. Just, just that entire movie, there's the moment where like he finally snaps a little bit and is just mm-hmm. like, lady, no! <laughs> and that got like the biggest laugh out of me. And I just keep thinking, yeah. lady, no! <laughs> it's great. It's, uh, yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. I remember Surrender Dorothy, uh, Paper Mache <laughs> Hamburgers. Yeah. Uh, or sorry, Bagels. Bagels, thank you. Yes, paper mache bagels. Uh, God, what else? Just little bits and pieces of it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, I think uh, what's her name? Rebecca De Mornay is in it, right? So I wouldn't know her by name, but probably. A lot of 80s type actors. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Great fucking, ending, too. Yeah, seriously, perfect ending. Yeah, like Terry Gar is in it. And yes, right. Catherine O'Hara, fucking Cheech and Chong. Oh, speaking of, of Catherine O'Hara, you see this fucking thing going around recently where people are like, oh my God, she's in Home Alone and Beetlejuice. What? Do you see this? Uh Oh, I saw a brief mention of it as if she's not just like a <laughs> beloved actress who's been in fucking everything. Yeah. Like I, I appreciate that there might be some 13 year old out there who is like, what? That's the same lady. But come on. I mean, it's not like this is mind blowing. It reminded me of 
I tweeted about this. Uh, this week, Audrey told her first grade class that uh, Yoda and Miss Piggy were voiced by the same person, and they lost their fucking minds. <laughs> like, she ripped their world in half. God, that's, a be- that's beautiful. It was awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I've been I've been going back through one of my like go-to comfort rewatches is just going through like Red Letter Media half in the bag and uh-huh. like it's it's especially great because they cover so much shit that I would just never watch like I have zero interest in any of the Marvel DC like Star Wars stuff. I uh-huh. uh it doesn't interest me so hearing them talk about it is really fun, but I I've, I've just been like deep in that again and it's just a, such good background noise. It's a good way to watch those movies you don't care about either, too. Yeah, totally. It's just like, just tear them apart, man. Just go for the fucking jugular. I'm watching, with Rachel, Rise of Skywalker for the first time because I hadn't seen it. And it sucks. Is It, it is just bad, newest? bad, bad. Is it the newest one? Yes, it's the most recent one from about a year ago. Okay. Oh, that everyone was mad at. Yeah, although... Everyone's mad about everything that happens with Star Wars, so that doesn't yeah, really narrow it down. Uh, yeah, let's see. I watched one of them in theaters, but only because a guy I was seeing really, really wanted to see it. And I was like, I, I think it was the second one of the newest three. That's the best one of the three by a long shot. That's the best one? <laughs> yes, by a, for real, like by a long shot. And I actually- That's a bummer. I like that film. It, it's, I mean, it's not great, but- I think it's interesting in parts. I mean, the thing is with, with here, okay, with Star Wars, you have to put up, it's not going to be funny. There's going to be embarrassing, like, quote unquote jokes. The aliens are going to look kind of stupid. Uh, you know, there's just like a lot of baseline. As, as uh, Tom Sharpling, my, one of my comedy heroes, has frequently pointed out, remember that in the original Star Wars, there's an overweight character named Porkins. And then adjust your expectations from there. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it is really funny. Like this, this very like scrappy sort of like small closed off universe has become this whole thing, and it's a thing that they point out on Red Letter Media a lot. Of just like you are so limited with what you are able. Like it seems like it would be infinite, but it's like you have to have lightsabers, you have to have stormtroopers, like you have to have all this like recognizable stuff because that's what people are in the door for. So you can't really like. Be like, here's a bunch of shit that you've never seen before, but yes. it's a Star Wars movie. And then with Last Jedi, it deviated ever so slightly from those expectations and people lost their fucking shit. Of course. And then I, I watched, I didn't see Rogue One, which I have no interest in ever I have watching. Not seen it. And then I watched Solo on a plane, oh, which was. Sorry, I flipped those around. I have seen Rogue One on a plane, haven't seen Solo. Continue. Yeah, Solo's a real plane movie. That one was rough. Yeah, Rogue One was, I enjoyed it. It was it was cool. I mean, isn't the uh, angle that it's sort of like war drama, but Star Wars, and then everybody dies? Spoilers? Yeah. Uh, Tight. What, what I like about it, too, is it takes the literally the most minor plot point from the original movie and fleshes it out into a feature uh, in an actually interesting way. But, I mean, to me, the craziest part is, if you had told, I don't know, 12-year-old me, there's going to be an entire movie just about Han Solo when he was younger— I'd have lost my goddamn mind. And yeah, of course. Then when it came out, I was like, "Oh, really? No, pass." <laughs> yeah, it's 
Well, but it, but it's totally like the way the way that it works is that it takes all the little details that you already have and feels the need to explain like here's how Han and Chewie met, here's where the dice are from, yeah. here's how we got the last name Solo, which is because he was traveling by himself. Like I don't want to know this shit. This is like what is everybody's sick obsession with having to have the answers to fucking everything? I don't know. Like go sit in a field and think about the media. You don't have to have them tell you exactly like. I want them to hold my hand. It's patronizing. Well, and also, then half the time when they do those things, they present it like, huh? So, what, do, you, do you get it? Do you see what's happening? Huh? Yeah. Uh, when Rachel and I went to see uh, my favorite movie of all time, Joker, uh, <laughs> when he when he goes up to Wayne Manor, he being Joker, uh, although whatever, what's his name? Arthur? Uh, he's not really Joker yet. So he goes up and he starts interacting with that kid. And in the theater, (laughs) it was a midday showing at the Arclight. I loudly turned to Rachel and went, I think that's Batman. (laughs) And she got upset with me. (laughs) Gotta love a good stage whisper. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. But, But I could picture... The idiots watching it being like, oh, my God. God do, do you realize who that is? Do you know who that, that, that kid is? Do you realize who that grows up to be? Like, I, I try to, like, not have ire towards people who enjoy stuff that I really hate. But sometimes it's hard, you know? Yes. <laughs> Especially with that fucking movie, which the buildup for months, I was like, this Joker movie is going to be dumb as shit. But Joaquin Phoenix is going to bring it his all. And I'm so excited. And then... It was like, everyone thinks this is amazing and this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, I will say, I legitimately enjoyed it. Do I think it's like a great film? No, it's not a great film. Did I have a good time watching it? Yes, I did. I was so mad, just so mad the entire time. Um, and I continue to be mad at it over a year at, later. But, at but what, what I would give to specific, go... Like, huh, what made huh. you mad specifically? <sighs> The everything, the color grading, the script, the even Joaquin Phoenix. It just, he was doing a good job, but there's only so much of a good job you can do with did, just like absolutely nothing. Did you um, get though? I, here's the thing I don't think you're appreciating, Layton, <laughs> is, and this is important, it's, it was very subtle. It's a lot like Taxi Driver. Did you get that? Did you understand that? Because I don't think you understood. I think if you understood Brian, that. Brian, are you telling me that, that we live in a society? We live in a society of laws. And here's the thing about Joker. He doesn't obey those laws. He's nobody's fool. All right, your take was too powerful and it broke Zencaster. Yeah, so what people are not going to be able to hear is that when I was saying my very correct theory about Joker, um, <laughs> which is that he doesn't obey your rules, man. Zencaster. <laughs> yeah, um, I had, and I had watched King of Comedy in preparation to watch Joker and I probably shouldn't have watched it so soon before. Oh, shit. Did I lose you again? Oh, piss. All right, you're stuck here with me, folks. It's just you and me. You and your your good pal, Layton, uh, hanging out. Oh, Brian just texted me again, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. So now I'm looking at Twitter. What's trending? Oh, I don't care. It doesn't matter. One day it will all be dust. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'm going to continue talking to myself so that we have episode. Uh, 
I, I just everything about Joker bothered me. It couldn't pick an ending. Spoilers for Joker. If you have not seen it, you don't need to see it. But I would have respected it so much more that like if after I wish he had shot Murray, cut to black, end of movie. Like it goes through four more endings and it's like, this is so masturbatory. Like, shut up, man. <laughs> I hate movies, dude. But I would give anything to go to the Alamo draft house with the homies and eat a bunch of edibles and see stupid Joker again. I would, I would trade so much. Anyway. Uh, what else we got? I wrote down things to talk about here, and now I have to talk about them with myself. Uh, I wrote down even Steven. I wrote down Mozart butt stuff, the thing that I'm going to save in Wisteria. Man. Uh, I downloaded a bunch of... Um... Okay, I just received a text that said, okay, let's just stop it here. It'll be a good ending. My internet is gone. Okay, Brian, have fun editing this. Anyway, folks, so it turns out Brian's internet just completely shit the bed, and so you get to leave off with Brian saying that we live in a society. Uh, which I agree with. So hope this mini that was all over the place fulfilled all your hopes and desires for what this mini could possibly be. Um, if you're a, a veteran of the Patreon, thank you so much for sticking with us through 40 episodes and God knows how many mini-sodes. And if you're new to the Patreon, because we've had a bunch of new people, welcome. It's bullshit. Uh, hope you're having a good time and staying safe. All right. I, I feel awkward. How do Let's Players and podcasters do it when they're by themselves? Because this is uncomfortable. Like, I'm sweaty. I'm more uncomfortable talking to myself than I would be talking to another. I'm going to stop. All right. This is the end of the mini-sode. See you next time for hopefully two people maybe doing a crossword for that high-octane content that we know you're subscribing for. Anyway, goodbye. This is the end of the pod. This is the end of the, this is the, end of the mini-sode. Leighton Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore Night, or email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com. <laughs>